Lawyers always need to be on top of their game, or at least appear to be. It can feel overwhelming to recognize or admit when we aren't, and even harder to reach out and get help. Welcome to Sidebar, brought to you by North Carolina's Lawyer Assistance Program, where lawyers help lawyers by sharing their experience, strength, and hope as they delve into their personal journeys of recovery. Hi, Candace Hoffman, Field Coordinator for the North Carolina Lawyers Assistance Program. I'm excited we have Laura Marr with us today, who's a North Carolina and Oregon lawyer and the founder of Conscious Legal Minds, LLC, providing well-being coaching, training, and consulting for attorneys and law offices nationwide. And Laura has been a longtime contributor to the sidebar with her featured column called The Mindful Moment. Our most recent moment is entitled Seven Ways to Integrate Change, and you can find that in the show notes. Thank you, Laura, so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Candice. It's a joy to be here. So why choose change as the topic for this mindful moment? Well, in the past 18 plus months of the pandemic, I think that change is one of the things that we have all experienced Some of us have experienced changes that have felt positive. Others of us have experienced changes that feel negative or somewhere in between. But most of us during this time of great shifting and unknowns have gone through trying to figure out how to deal with change. And I I love in your mindful moment, you say it would be a mistake to shift quickly back into that post-pandemic life without first taking a moment to integrate. Why is that so important? Well, any kind of change, whether it feels like a positive change or a setback, puts stress on the system. And stress is not necessarily a bad thing, but when we experience stress in our system, we want to complete the stress cycle and we want to come back to like a neutral state and really reset and rebuild our energy after a change. And so positive brain health really relies on us moving through a shift or a change And then pausing and integrating whatever that shift or change is so that we have the energy to then tackle or move through the next change. So you went through a great list in in your article about the seven ways to integrate change. Can you take us through some of those practices? Well, um, there's seven ways that that I like to talk about uh, integrating change, and these are based on Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a clinical professor of psychiatry at the UCLA School of Medicine. Um, This is based on the research that he has done. The first thing that I think is um, really important, but particularly difficult for us as attorneys and paralegals and law school students and judges, all the legal professionals here that might be listening, is downtime. And what I mean by downtime is really it's time to hang out where you're not doing anything goal oriented. So downtime is not, I'm washing my windows now, or I'm putting the dishes away. Downtime is really when you, you're just enjoying what you're doing and you're not trying to get to the end of something or get something clicked off your, your to-do list when you're doing it. I like that description because I think a lot of the things I would have in my head would be goal-oriented. So that's a really good thing to think about. Yeah, and for downtime, we're really looking for all of these things on this list. We're looking for a positive mood shift at the end or a sense of calm. So if you're you know, feeling anxious, you want to feel like, oh, after I've integrated, I feel more calm. Or if you're feeling really collapsed, you feel slightly more energized or slightly more inspired to do something uh, helpful for yourself. 
I like that description. And what are some other tools that you would suggest? Yeah. So the second thing I put on the list is time to connect and time to connect. When we're thinking about connection, connection is one of the things that has shifted most dramatically, I think, during, during the pandemic is we went from spending a lot of time with a lot of people in person to spending a lot less time with people in person. And connection is, is one of the three things that our brain needs every moment of every day in order to feel like we're enjoying life. And so when we're looking for connection, we want high caliber connections. And so that means that when we're connecting with people, we feel a sense of belonging. We might even feel a sense of love or being loved. And those are those kinds of connections are oftentimes easier to get in person than they are over text. Uh, so what if some of us are still really isolated and we don't have people to connect with? What would you suggest? That's a really good question. And connection can come with nature. So it can be connecting with the plants in your garden. It can be taking a walk around the neighborhood or going on a hike and connecting with trees and plants and rocks and air and birds. Um, it also can be connecting with pets. So just something that when you make that connection, you feel a sense of peace, a sense of love, uh, maybe a sense of belonging, um, like a high caliber connection, not just like in and out like you would with a text, but something where you really feel like you've had a moment to sink into that connection and feel really seen and heard, or like you're witnessing someone else and seeing and hearing them. I love that term, high caliber connection. And what are some other tools that you suggest? Another tool that I think is really important for us lawyers is getting into our bodies through exercise or movement. And so I, um, Dan Siegel just calls it motion, some kind of motion. So it doesn't have to be, you know, going to the gym and working out as hard as you possibly can, because for some people that doesn't work for their schedule, it doesn't suit their interest, but some kind of movement that allows their brain, which we use all day long in the legal field to drop into their body. I think that most of us can go through the day in the legal field. I know I did when I was practicing law, just thinking, thinking, thinking all the time. And I would even sometimes forget to eat lunch. I might forget to go to the bathroom because I was so in my head and so disconnected from my body. I really love that imagery. That really helps me understand what you're talking about, dropping into your body. Because I think we all know and we hear all the time, yes, it's good to exercise, you know, things like that. But I don't really connect what's happening. So I love that term, drop into your body. Yeah. And I think just to uh, add another point to that is our body is a, is a place of great intelligence. And those of us in the legal field, I think we find, or we probably believe, I know I used to, that all of my intelligence was in my brain. So I didn't really need my body, but our body is taking cues from our environment all the time through what we're hearing or smelling or feeling or sensing. And so it's really important to actually listen to our bodies because our bodies can say, Hey, watch out for that thing coming. Or did you hear the tone of voice that that witness used? And that can, if we pay attention to the cues that our bodies are giving us, we can actually feel more intelligent or more on top of things than if we're just using our brain all the time. And what other tools uh, do you suggest? Well, one of the things that I know a lot of my coaching clients feel like they're short on is sleep. And by sleep, I'm not just talking like little cat naps where you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're thinking about that thing you need to do. I'm talking about a deep restorative sleep 
where you go to bed at a good time, you have good sleep hygiene, you're you know, turning off your technology before you go to bed and then you really sleep and you get into that restorative sleep pattern and you sleep, you know, a good, at least seven, eight hours of, of sleep a night where you wake up and you're feeling, oh, I feel restored. And the reason why sleep is so important is because our brains, especially our lawyer brains, you know, they're just moving so fast all day long. And sleep is really one of the times when our thinking brain can slow down and we can rest and reset and restore our energy, our brain energy. I love that, that description. And as someone with young children, I very much yearn for that kind of sleep. And I, I love hearing the benefits of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that parents are really, really struggling during the pandemic and, and always not always struggling, but you know, that finding enough sleep for yourself, especially deep restorative sleep when you have young ones can be really challenging. And so it may be something that if you have young ones and you just can't get that deep restorative sleep, that at least you can, before you go to sleep, even if you're going to have interrupted sleep to just clear your brain. Uh, we have a working memory, which is the part of the brain that just is sort of keeping track of our to-do list at any one moment. And so you can right before you bed, before you go to bed, just sort of take everything off your working memory so that when you're sleeping, you're not trying to problem solve anymore, but that you're actually getting that, that REM state of sleep. I like that. I'm definitely going to try that tonight. Uh, What do you have on tap for us next? The next one that Dr. Siegel talks about is focus. I think as lawyers, we think that we're focusing all the time, but when we're talking about focus as an integrative practice, we want to focus on one thing at a time. And most of us lawyers or paralegals, anyone in the legal field is probably in in, in any field these days is probably trying to multitask. And we think when we're multitasking that we're, you know, shredding emails and we're getting all this stuff done. But what the science shows is that multitasking is actually fatiguing on the brain, that the brain is really built to focus on one thing at a time. And so when we focus on one thing at a time, the brain is like, oh, thank you. So even if that one thing that you're focusing on is just washing the dishes, you're not washing the dishes and listening to a podcast. You're not washing the dishes and having a long, deep conversation. You're not washing the dishes and thinking about what you're going to do the next day. You're literally doing a mindful dishwashing practice. Like you're just like, here's the soap, here's the sponge in my hand, or here I am loading the dishwasher. So it's, it's one of the ways that you're actually dropping down into your body and you're getting your mind to slow down and you're able to just focus on one thing. And it's just a little holiday for your brain from all the multitasking that you likely do during the day. And I bet that is something that that a lot of us are not doing. Uh, I know even outside of the work day, being at home, you know, we pride ourselves in being efficient. I hate to sound like I'm 800 years old, but smartphones and we're getting emails and texts and now our watches are, you know, talking to us. And that's a really good thing to practice that is not very intuitive these days. Yeah. And on that same note, I want to talk about the next practice, which is play. So because our brains are, like you're saying, focused on our smart watches and our smartphones and our computers and all of this information coming in all day, that many of us as adults forget to have fun in our lives. And the research on the development, healthy development of children's brains shows that play is a really important part of 
raising a child with a healthy resilience and also a healthy brain. And so just like children, our adult brains need to play and it's a really great way to integrate. So whatever play means to you, you know, for some people, it means dancing around their living room. For some people, it means drawing a picture or gardening or cooking something that is really fun and or watching a movie that makes them laugh. And if you have kids, uh, again, just a shout out to parents, if you have children, don't just watch them play, actually engage them in play. And while I know a lot of parents are like, I'm too tired, I don't have time to play. You may find that when you engage fully in the play that you actually feel energized at the end of it, even if it's just I'm going to focus for these 10 minutes on playing with my child, it can up your own level of fun. And it can help you not only integrate your day, but also build resilience for the for the day ahead. I like that because I, I think it can be hard to, to fully get into play with your kids or anything else, because you always have those things off to the side. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of research behind play about how it actually makes us more productive. It actually allows us to think more clearly when we are trying to focus on a work-related task or a productivity uh, related activity that, that play can help us to just get into a better frame of mind when we do want to focus. Thank you for so much for that. I know my kids will be very excited. You suggested, and I believe we have one more of our seven tips. What would that one be? Yeah. And the last one is internal awareness practices. And so by that, I mean, meditation or mindfulness prayer, self-compassion, or some kind of inner reflection, which might be journaling, or even just talking with a friend about what's going on in your emotional world. So the internal awareness practices should really be what you're drawn to. So if you like to meditate, or if you're curious about meditating, meditate, or try an app, a meditation app, or just try breathing quietly for a few minutes. Same thing with mindfulness, like I was mentioning with um, doing dishes and just doing dishes. You can do anything mindfully. Self-compassion, I think that is a really interesting one. And I think that for us lawyers, that we are really oftentimes hard on ourselves. We feel like we should have all the answers. We may feel like we shouldn't be having as hard of a time as we're having right now. But one of the things that can switch us out of a really chronically tense state and into a more relaxed, resilient, and integrated state is a practice of self-compassion. Really happy to hear you say that there are different ways to do this because I know some people roll their eyes when you say meditation and it works really great for, for others. So I think that it's great that there are different ways to kind of achieve this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that tailoring this list, like if everyone that's listening to this could tailor this list, write down the seven things and then make a list next to it of like, okay, what is my you know, high caliber downtime? What is my high caliber connection? What is the kind of motion exercise or movement that I'm most drawn to? You know, is there a night this week that I could really plan on getting some deep restorative sleep? Is there one thing that when I do it, I feel better when I just focus on that one thing? Is there any way I can integrate a little bit more change into my life? And is there some sort of time or internal awareness practice that I'm drawn to doing? So really tailoring this for what it is that you're interested in so that you do it. Because if you're not interested in it, 
you're not going to do it, right? There's too many other things in our, in our brains to do and in our legal practices that we need to do. So these kinds of things, these integration things should be things that you're drawn to doing. So if you could give us or take us through one practice that we could sit here and do right now, what would that be? I would love to take you through a self-compassion exercise. I think that for lawyers and others of us in the legal field, that self-compassion is one of the hardest things to come by and one of the most difficult things to cultivate. So if I could take you through a self-compassion exercise, you can see how simple it is and that you could even do it on the go. So start by just breathing. And you can breathe in any way that feels comfortable for your body, optimally through the nose, in and out through the nose. But if for any reason that doesn't feel comfortable, you can breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth or in and out through the mouth. And as you're breathing, just notice how you feel. And it might be a physical feeling like, wow, I feel tense in my jaw. I feel tense in my neck. My stomach feels tight, or you may notice a emotion. I feel agitated. I feel frustrated. I feel tired. I feel stuck. And then whatever that feeling is that you're noticing, say to yourself, it's normal for me to be feeling this way. It's normal for me to be feeling this way. You may notice that some parts of you want to tell you that it's not normal. And if those parts show up, just ask them if they would be willing just to back off for a second, just so that you can help out this part of you that's feeling this way. And you may even augment, it's normal for me to be feeling this way. You might even say, other people in my same circumstances would feel this way too. Other people in my same circumstances would feel this way too. And then just continuing to breathe and notice if there's any positive shift or change as you pay attention to what's happening and give some space for it just to exist. And then the last thing is a little bit more action oriented. And just ask yourself, what, if anything, could I do in this moment to make myself a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more calm, or feel a little bit more cared for? And just notice. If there's something small, it doesn't have to be a really big life-changing thing. It can just be a small thing. Like I could go have lunch. I could take five more breaths before I go back to work. I could think of something fun I'm going to do after work and then actually do that thing. Good. And then just take a few more breaths. And if by chance your eyes closed when you were doing that, you can open your eyes and look around and then just check and see, do I feel any better now than I did before I offered myself that understanding, that compassion for how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. How'd that go for you over there, Candace? I loved it. I feel great. I hope everybody else has got a chance to do that too. And that's the great thing. You can pause, rewind and do it anytime you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, the last thing I want to end on before our time is up is just to talk about how you know that you need to do one of these exercises. Like, how do I know when I need to integrate? And basic rule of thumb is we really all need time to integrate every day. But I think during the pandemic that a lot of people are talking about having a lot more brain fog or feeling paralyzed mentally or emotionally stuck in some way or having decision-making fatigue. 
And that be, can be because we've gone through so much change. We really feel overwhelmed. Like we just can't figure out what the next thing is. And so that can be a really good time to, to stop and do one of these seven practices, even if it's just a minute of the practice, it doesn't have to be, you know, a whole hour. It doesn't have to be a whole weekend's worth. It can literally be just a minute or, or two minutes of integrating work in order to give yourself a resilience bump up and um, help you to focus on whatever it is that you're trying to make a decision around. That's a great tip. Um, I definitely Agree. I think there's a lot of decision-making fatigue and it's really great that you've given us lots of different tools, but also the permission to only do them for one or two minutes at a time. Cause I think that I'm definitely personally more likely to do something if I know it's not 30 minutes or an hour every time. So that's a, that's a great gift you've given. Yeah. And actually the neuroscience research on resilience building really points toward short spurts of integration, short spurts of mental, emotional resets being integral, really important in building resilience. Because if we put it off, our nervous systems just stay in that tense state. And so we want to take care of, we want to take care of the stress right as it happens. Well, I love, I love that. I love all of these tools and I hope everybody gets a chance to try to integrate and make the homework list, like Laura said, of what would work for you. So thank you so much for sharing all of this great information and great practices we can use at home. You're so welcome, Candice. And if people are interested in learning more about resilience and resilience building for lawyers in particular, feel free to go to my website. I have a whole bunch of articles that I've written and other people have written on resilience. And you can just go to consciouslegalminds.com slash articles. Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks, Candice. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us at the sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two, subscribe to our newsletter, and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.